Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge tonight. The Blue Jackets in Toronto, where tomorrow they will see the Toronto Maple Leafs for the first time this year. I'm Bob McElligot alongside of Jody Shelley. And Jody, uh, the Blue Jackets last weekend, it was, I want to call it an up and down. It was kind of a down and up weekend because the Blue Jackets started on Thursday, lost on Long Island to the New York Islanders 7-3, to but came back with a really nice 5-2 to win on Friday night in a back-to-back, taking on the St. Louis Blues. And then on Sunday, they're in a one-goal game and lose it to the Florida Panthers after a couple of empty netters. It looks worse than it is at 5-2. to two. But, again, it was another weekend of where there were good things that were shown, maybe not so much in the Islander game, although they did have a lead in the second period. But good things, but not good enough things uh, strung together again to get more than one win. Yeah, that's been kind of the theme, right, for – a lot of the losses here for the Blue Jackets is that you see how they need to play. They know how they need to play to win hockey games to have success. And you see it churning, and you see the players getting the work done. Um, and they need results. And you hear Pascal Benson, the head coach, talking about that. You know, players in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, Elvis, the goaltending has been not a non-issue this year. Jet Greaves, there's been some great stories in there. But there's just moments in games where things get away from them a little bit. And that Islander game is a great example because there was not a game that was that one-sided. It just the Islanders play with Sorokin, their goaltender, who keeps them in it for the flurries that Blue Jackets had. And then they come back and they're very opportunistic. And for the Blue Jackets, it was just uh, I don't know if it's decisions that bounce in the Kent Johnson off his skate. He's in the right position in the defensive zone. It goes right to Barzell, and that sparks that team. So, you know, it's just there's an urgency. There's an understanding of, of moments in game. There's, you know, the power play has got to click. A lot has to go into a win. But I do like, I'm encouraged by how they're playing, Bob. There, there's, and I know that sounds, uh, it could sound crazy, but, you know, we expect a team that plays with that never-give-up style, work ahead of skill. Askell's job is to change the standard and, and work with these players and get the most out of them. I think he's doing a good job with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you because when you look at the result, to say, you know, that was pretty good. Um, for some people, that can be a head-scratcher. But you're right. They they are, for the most part, playing the right way. And there is a buy-in. Just, you know, it's kind of funny because after the game on Sunday – the Blue Jackets had played, what, 30 games, more than anybody else in the league. And it's funny how it works. If you're winning and you're playing a lot, that's one thing. Uh, when you seem like you're not getting breaks and you're losing, and then you get into that busy schedule, then it goes the other way. So that's the bad part about it for me is because they've been trying to figure all this out. I think they are figuring some of it out. But so many games have gone by. It Not only do you have to figure it out, but now you're going to get to a point where you have to be almost perfect if you really want to climb back into things and be part of a discussion. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed your pregame interview the other night before that last game for the Blue Jackets where, you know, Pascal Benson, thank you for asking that question because it's a real thing and it's not something he's got to talk to his players about. But the Blue Jackets before last night's games have played the most games in the National Hockey League. And 
it's been a fast and furious schedule. And this little break allows him to give the players a day off, practice yesterday, practice today, head to Toronto, take a breath, and then get ready for the game tomorrow night. And those are important moments uh, with any team, especially a team that's struggling. And you mentioned every team wants to play. It doesn't matter if you're winning or losing. It's better when you're winning. But even when you're losing, you can find a way to dig out. But there is a moment in the schedule where you need to take a step back and be like, all right, you know, take that breath. Now let's rock on our toes and, and dial things up. And, and you hope that this is what Pascal and his coaching staff get out of these couple of days. And then the schedule gets normal here. And then you have a three-day break where you get to get away in Christmas. So there's a little segment here where the Blue Jackets now, let's really watch and see how they do. Yeah, indeed. Uh, battle drills yesterday in practice. Uh, today, just kind of a regular practice travel day. So uh, coming to Toronto to get ready for the game uh, tomorrow. Jody, the big thing over the weekend, though, as it turned out, the Blue Jackets, first of all, had to play a couple of games without Patrick Line and Erica Branson because they were under the weather. They both came back in the game against the Florida Panthers. And for Erica Branson, he gets hit by Nick Cousins, a penalty that was originally a major penalty. And then the referees looked at it, and they downgraded it to a minor penalty. But Erica Branson got hit by Cousins in the back, went hard into the boards. Um, and then later in the game, came after Nick Cousins. The next time that they were both on the ice together, Cousins didn't attempt to fight back whatsoever. And Branson gets seven minutes worth of penalty time. It's a seven-minute power play for the Florida Panthers. They end up scoring after about six and a half minutes of penalty kill. But it, it kind of turned the game. But it, it was all about the hit, and the hit was a lot of discussion that was going on through the league because there were two other hits over the weekend that were very similar and all seemed to be handled differently. For Good Branson, it winds up that he gets a one-game suspension, so he will not play tomorrow night. Uh, it could have been worse. It could have been worse on both ends. It could have been worse on his suspension. But as Eric Branson says, the hit could have been much worse. Here's him talking about the fears that he had the moment that he got hit and went into the boards. My kids are 85 feet away from that hit. It's a terrible hit. It was walking around, pacing through my hallway, trying to calm down back at home, just like happy that my legs still worked. Like that's yeah. that's the level of danger that was involved with that. If that hit takes place three feet before that, I end up going down and bending my neck down, and that's where you had a compression fracture. And and who knows how the rest of your life is? Just burying that stuff, putting it somewhere where it doesn't pop up. But yeah, you can just kind of the last little bit you're dealing with it. There's no there's no doubt about it that that freaked me out. Um, no doubt about it. So, uh, but you never bring that on the ice. That would, that's what puts you in even more in even more danger. So you, you never bring that on the ice. But you know, sometimes sitting on the couch with your wife, you know, that's that that can pop to mind for sure. See, in hockey, it's not a safe workplace by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there, there's things that can happen, and and um, prime example. I mean, Boone didn't expect to break his jaw the other night, and it just so happened that that's what it is. So. Um, you know, you deal with what comes, and, and um, yeah, that, that, that's it. So, Jody, you hear him talk about that and how he's he's very in tune as to how much worse that hit could have been, and then he was just a he was a ticking time bomb uh, throughout the rest of the time in the penalty box, and then when he got back on the bench, and, uh, you know, he went to get his own revenge on Nick Cousins. Look, you've seen this a lot. We've all seen it a lot. We've been in the league a long time, and um, – it has changed where these instances maybe don't happen as often, but just give me your assessment of that, uh, the entire play as you saw it. And I'll also ask you, 
if that penalty stays as a major penalty, does that maybe take away some of the other stuff that happened afterwards? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. And, you know, for good Branson, I, you see where, what he just said, you hear what he said, you hear how he, how he felt in his voice and you hate to see him going to the boards like that. And it was a dirty play and the referees in the league decided that it was a two and that left cousins in the game, which, you know, it, it is what it is. And that allowed good Branson to get after him. And, you know, I hated the hit but I, I, because it put good Branson in that space. Cousins isn't playing the puck. He's just, racing himself and throws his body no man you see Gabranson bounce off the dasher then get up and try to get at him and you know now it's it's still one of those things they play again in March and and is it is is it still been handled I don't think so I think Cousins of course he's not going to fight Gabranson but you know there's something that has to be addressed there and for Gabranson to be suspended that's probably right I mean the way that he grabbed him and and uh, you know punched him in the back of the head when he was down but of course, if that hit, if he was thrown out of the game, it would have been handled. But leaving him in there allowed Good Branson to be able to address himself. So he did. And, you know, it's one of those moments. I'm of the school where I think you should, you know, I, I like what Good Branson, I don't love how he did it, but I like that he, he took care of it. I like that he took care of it. And um, Cousins didn't face the music, but, you know, he, he paid in price there. He's got a sore head because. You know, he, he threw the dirty hit, and he had the option. Well, he could have fought. Branson didn't care if he wanted to fight or not. He just wanted to get at him. So that's uh, that was what Branson took into his own hands. And um, yeah, I, I I like what he how he took care of it. I'll also ask you, Matthew Olivier wasn't dressed for that game, which uh, <laughs> we talked to him yesterday uh, just briefly, asking him. Uh, how upset he was that he was in the press box and not on the ice. And obviously a guy that does what he does for a living and the way he protects his teammates, he was uh, like a caged animal being in the press box during that whole thing. But um, he wasn't there. But could somebody else have taken care of that situation? Maybe somebody that is more of the size and stature of Nick Cousins, or did that have to be an Eric Branson taking care of business himself? No, I, I would have liked to have seen someone grab him. I mean, that's just me as a, you know, just think of the team dynamic. Sure. You know, if I see you get thrown to the boards like that, Bob, uh, and I get a chance to go after the guy, I'm going to go after him. Uh, you know, there, there's other guys in the team. And I don't know if there was one shift where they weren't, you know, someone else was on the ice with, with Cousins and Good Branson wasn't out there. So there wasn't maybe the time for that. But, you know, I just... Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I wouldn't mind that at all. That would be something that would have been in play for sure. Um, but I don't think Branson gave anyone the opportunity. <laughs> um, I think he was, he saw him and he just, he, he jumped at his opportunity and he was still hot. Yeah, he, he was extremely hot. And you mentioned the two teams are going to play each other again late in the season in Florida. And he was asked about that yesterday and he said, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I've, I've taken care of it. But the question is, well, there are two questions. Are you really good or is the team good? That's the question that will be answered in that game. Yeah, and, you know, Cousins is a guy that, you know, he's been known to walk that edge and throw those hits. And that game, the up. game in Florida that they came back and won, did, didn't he do that? Weren't there a couple of plays in that game where it was like, uh, this guy, you know? 
Yeah, like, he did, and, and that's how he plays. That's that's how he is. So, you know, it's it's we'll see. I mean, there, maybe someone else will go after him. Maybe we'll see. But now, if if Branson's good, that's good. He got it out of his system. He's going to set up the, the game tomorrow night in Toronto, <laughs> which isn't fun. But uh, <laughs> you know, he he uh, he definitely did all he could. That's for sure. Uh, before we uh, talk to Nick Blankenberg, who we're going to bring in here in just a moment. Uh, let's talk about the Leafs and how you see this game. The Blue Jackets haven't seen Toronto this year. They, I mean, they are what they are. I mean, they they're built a, a certain way, and they they've got their um, they've got their faces. And Austin Matthews leads the way there, and and they're going to be a handful, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, they're uh, they're a fun team to watch, Bob. They just came off a back to back in the New York area. They played the Islanders, uh, got a point late. John Tavares got his. Uh, 999th and 1,000 point. You know he's the captain of the team. He got the point, uh, both points in uh, in Long Island. They, he was getting booed. Um, they tied it up and lost in overtime to the Islanders. So perfect script for the Islanders fans, I guess. I mean, there's got to be some admiration there, even though they were booing him. And then you know Matthews, Martyr, Nylander, uh, they've got a little bit more grit. Uh, they played the Rangers last night hard and. I think the final was 7-3, but at one point it was 4-3. It looked like, you know, they had a really good start to the game, put up four goals in the first. They have the skill, but I'm impressed with how they check with the lead. I was, I was impressed at how they back check, and, you know, they can unleash the talent in the offensive zone, but there is a work ethic with their skill that's really good. And um, Their goaltending has always been a question mark, and last night it was Jones playing this uh, first game of the National Hockey League in a long time, and he got the victory. And it just shows you against a high-powered, dynamic Rangers team uh, on a back-to-back, they came in and, and played an impressive game. So I think they're starting to figure it out. I think this is a team that, you know, we always say they are what they are, but there's more to them now. There's There's been a lot of changes there. Dubas is out. Trey Living comes in. Uh, he's made some adjustments there, and there's um, – it's a different feel to that team once you see them tomorrow night. They, they're more of a not just wait for the for the high power players to take over. They're working to get it done. How much of that do you think is Brad Tree Living, who comes in after being the general manager in Calgary? You know, we always talk about how there's still a difference in play between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Just to have him come in there, you know, new set of eyes, look at it, maybe tinker with it, and add some pieces that uh, he thinks is more of that. Western Conference play, a little bit more grit, as you said earlier. Yeah, no, I think it definitely is. I mean, you know, sometimes I think we could all get caught up and some GMs get loyal to, to players and, and, you know, they do things a certain way, they deal with certain teams, and that's where a, a new GM comes in, and I think it's just there's just a different way to approach it, a different uh, set of relationships, a different look, and you can watch from afar an organization and, and bring in your own people and see where they might fit in or where they could help an organization. Of course, you're not going to do that. He wasn't going to do that when he was in Calgary, but, you know, he went in there right away and make the, made those adjustments. And I think I think it's very important that he does that. It's probably a, it's a different conversation um, for the coaching staff, too, to hear a different look. I mean, bringing in Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, I love Tyler Bertuzzi. He's on the second line there. He, he, he's a guy that has that edge, can play a little bit gritty, can play dirty at times. Uh, Ryan Reeves is a he's a tough guy now that that you know he brings that element that we just talked about with Gabranson it's it just he, he doesn't get a lot of min- minutes but he's out there playing that game Yarncroke is there so 
they've addressed their bottom six. Their defense, I think, is good. And um, that's an important important thing for the coaching staff and the players to hear that new voice. And we'll get a good look at them tomorrow night here in Toronto, the Blue Jackets and the Maple Leafs. Stay tuned. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg. This is the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are getting set to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. Another road game for them before heading back home to face the New Jersey Devils on Saturday. I'm Bob McKelley, get along with Jody Shelley. We're joined right now by Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg. And Nick, first of all, welcome back. Not just back to the show, but welcome back to the NHL, back to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's great to have you back here, and I'm sure that you are super excited to be where you are right now. Yeah, it's been a fun last uh, few days here, so definitely thankful to be back here and um, just excited for, for what's ahead. When you got sent to Cleveland out of training camp, how tough was that for you? Because you've been around here for a while now, and you know it comes down to being a numbers game. Of course, over the summer, there were two defensemen that were brought in here, so I'm sure you knew what, uh, you, know, what you were facing coming into camp. But still, that doesn't make it easy to get told that you have to go to the American Hockey League. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I think it was a great experience. The the staff down there and um, and Javi and and uh, Latestu and Vogie have were great to me and um, just very supportive and and just helping me, making sure I was um, okay on the ice and and off the ice too. Obviously, it's uh, a bit of a different different down there, obviously, but um, the staff was great. The team the team was unreal. The guys on the team, it's a great group of guys down there. So. For me, I was just um, just trying to make the most out of an opportunity and, and playing a lot of minutes, and um, yeah, and I had a lot of fun while I was down there. That is the plus to it. You do get a lot of minutes because, you know, a guy like you that's had the NHL time that you did, you're going to get some, some good quality minutes in that league. What did you find to be the biggest thing in the difference of style of play between the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League? And, even, and you came from college hockey too, so th- there's a difference in, in all three levels there, but what was different about the AHL? Um, yeah, I think – Honestly, I think the AHL was a lot more physical in certain aspects. I think guys, um, I think the structure obviously is a lot better in the NHL, which makes it easier to, I feel like, almost make plays because you know where guys are going to be. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that was one of the biggest things was just structure, especially as a D-man, like breaking pucks out, um, playing rushes. I, I just feel like the structure is um, obviously a lot better in the NHL. And Jody, unlike when you played in the American Hockey League, Nick got to go to a major league city in Cleveland. He didn't have to go to Syracuse or St. John, New Brunswick to play his uh, American Hockey League hockey there. Yeah. You know, I don't know anyone that would trade their American Hockey League experience. It doesn't matter the city, Bob. It's, it's uh, you got you guys pretty tight knit group down there, Nick, with like, you know, guys living on their own, uh, a lot of time together. That's how it was when we were in the, in the, uh, in the minors. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a select few guys that that were in the hotel, um, which was a little bit farther away from downtown. But I know uh, there's a lot of guys who would who'd go out to dinners and whatnot, and especially on the road, I feel like was the best time because we'd all we'd all be in the same hotel and within a couple doors down from each other. So um, obviously, you get to you get to grow a lot more too with the seven hour, eight hour bus rides too. So um, a lot of guys are playing cards, guys are socializing, guys are catch, just kind of hanging out. So um, that was definitely a, uh, a plus, was just being able to hang out with the guys. And 
a lot of time, right? You spend a lot of time at the rink or is it, I remember less pressure, more time to work and focus on hockey. Did you feel that when you went down? And if so, what what did you spend your days doing to get better or what did you work on? Yeah, I mean, uh, Javi, the D coach um, down in Cleveland was was great. We'd go out early um, on days where, where we wouldn't play for a while. And I think that was one of the big things too. We'd play games on Friday, Saturday, so we'd be able to practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I feel like just really just dial it, dialing it in and on the reps in practice. And um, I feel like that was one of the biggest things for me, especially I feel like here when you're in the NHL, obviously you're playing so many so many games, so it's practices are a bit different. But I just feel like that was the biggest thing for me was just um, a lot of reps in practice. And um, Javi was great to me and, and going out early and and, um, and whatnot. So. Well, good. And now you're back, and uh, nothing like getting that call, is it? What were you doing when you got the call, and, and uh, how's it been for you since you got back? Uh, well, we were in Hartford, and we had pregame skate. We were playing Wednesday night against Hartford. We had pregame skate Wednesday morning, and I got off. And, um, yeah, they came up to me and told me I was getting called up. So uh, kind of had to hold back a smile there a little bit when they told me that. I was pretty I was pretty excited just for the opportunity. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun so far, the – kind of a whirlwind the first couple of days getting here it just felt obviously a little bit different you know you're here all last year and and you have relationships with the guys and then you're kind of gone for two months and now you're back so um it definitely took a few days just to kind of get situated so um like I said just really happy to be back and excited for the opportunity all the old Hartford Civic Center I remember that quite well and I I would I would have a smile too if I got told I was going to Long Island and yeah. getting out of Hartford and going back to the National Hockey League. We're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg. You come back here, and we were talking about how when you go to Cleveland, you have a chance to play a lot of minutes, and you knew that. You come back here, and as it turns out, the spot that they're looking for somebody to play in is alongside of Zach Wierenski. Not a bad spot to be in for a guy like you, uh, playing with another Michigan guy and playing on the right side. Um how excited were you when you knew you were going to get that opportunity right away? Oh, I was pumped. Like when I saw, um, like on the lineup chart that I was playing with Z, my eyes kind of lit up um, in New York, and I was just like, kind of hit me at that moment. I was like, okay, like this is this is actually happening here. Like I know I, I had the opportunity to play with Z last year a bit um, before we both got injured in the same game, but um, obviously I've said it, I've said it a million times. Obviously he's a special player and. Um, just for a guy like me to be able to play with him, a guy from Michigan who played at Michigan, it's uh, it's definitely pretty cool for me. So I'm just trying to enjoy it every single night. The uh, There are two big contingents on this team. You've got five Russians, and you've got four guys that went to school at Michigan. So th- those are the two big groups, right? I mean, if, if, like, if you're looking at uh, going to dinner or going into the room, are those the two groups that are always together? Is there is that nine guys I can count on being split into two groups? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, obviously I think the Russians spend a lot of time together, and, and obviously so do um, the Michigan guys too. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I like just hanging out with everyone. I like going to dinners with a lot of the guys, and um, whether if that's guy, other guys on the decor, other forwards, or or whatnot but yeah I know KJ and I live together in the same building so I'm always going out to dinner with him and um I know I'm always downtown as well so normally um the short time I've been here us three have gotten a good amount of dinners too and um it's definitely been nice it's interesting the mix there too because okay you all didn't play together at the same time right uh you and Ken Johnson did you came here together from uh Michigan 
but Zach is a little bit older, and now you have, have uh, Adam Fantilli, or Mo, as you referred to by his nickname a, mo a moment ago there. Um, he was there last year. So, But you don't have to be there at the same time. It's just that, that bond, right? Yeah, I think that's what's so cool about Michigan. It's, it's, he played there however many years ago, and um, we can still talk about the same things that I went through my freshman year, same with KJ. Like, he went through the same exact thing. So um, it's definitely pretty cool, and obviously – um, they're going to the same houses. They're going to the, doing the same things. Going to the same restaurants um, at Ann Arbor. So we, it's always just that bond that we get to talk about and get to share, which is cool. Jody, it's great to see that smile. But you know, I talk about Michigan. This guy breaks into a big smile like immediately, and uh, how <laughs> fond he is of his uh, teammates and, and former college teammates and all that stuff. Well, it's a proud fraternity, right, Nick? I mean, you guys shared similar experiences. You know that that that's a bond that. Only you guys will have. So that's that's where that smile comes from, right, Nick? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I want to go back to Zach Wierenski. What what about Zach Wierenski makes it uh, makes you get that excited to play with him? Yeah, I just think uh, he's so good with the puck, and he's so good. And I mean, obviously, you see what he does. What does he have? Twenty something assists this year. Yeah, so. 20, yeah. One that's pretty that's pretty good. I'd like <laughs> I'd like to maybe get a couple of those, obviously. But um, no, I just think he's so smart with the puck when he has it in in the neutral zone or in the D zone, and he always just makes I feel like the simple play, which is something that I I kind of look to do. And um, in the D zone as well, I feel like he's really good at breaking up plays. He's got such a good stick. Uh, we were doing a battle drill yesterday, and I had to go against him. And I think uh, he's just like so strong with the puck. I like I was like I couldn't even get the puck from him without trying to like really cross check him or really like get into him, which I obviously I wasn't going to do in practice, but, um, but yeah, man, he, he, he's just, he's so good with the puck. That's, I think that's one of the biggest things. And he plays so many minutes in all situations is he's one of those guys we love to watch, not just for the points. It's, it's those things that you mentioned, like he's a strong guy, isn't he? He's underrated strong. Oh yeah. I mean, I couldn't get the puck from him yesterday and I, I wouldn't say I'm too strong, but um, but yeah, he's definitely got that. Got that. Hey, do you watch a lot of hockey? And if so, like, who, who do you watch in, in your position? Uh, yeah, I mean, I try to watch as much as I can. Obviously, um, I think one of the big guys I like to watch is Tori Krug. I know a lot of people have, yeah. have said I play like him, and I don't know. I just think like even when we're playing against St. Louis, I like to try and watch him when he's out in the ice and just kind of see how he manages his size and, and manages. Um, everything throughout games and I think you can learn a lot from a lot of guys throughout the league and um I love watching Quinn Hughes what he's doing this year is pretty special and obviously the guys like Picar and, and Fox and I think there's just so many things from other guys throughout the league that you can kind of pick up on and and see because these guys have been in the league for a while and, and they definitely know what they're doing. Corey Krug that's interesting because we saw him the other night and he still plays that same way like he's guys are still on notice when he's on when, when he's on the ice it's like you better you better make sure when you have the puck that you got your head up and you know where he is you, you play a similar style uh, so I like that comparison yeah um and what about Quinn Hughes because it's fascinating how he moves I mean is, is that do you see that or do you see other things how he sees the game it, it's remarkable isn't it yeah I mean he's just so good when he has the puck at the offensive blue line and like his mobility that he can he can beat guys um one-on-one -on -one just with like a simple move that well I wouldn't say simple it looks so simple on tv but and then you try it in practice try go oh, this is a lot harder than I thought but <laughs> um but yeah I just think like I said like when 
watching guys like him and watching how he walks the blue line and gets shots through, you're like, okay, well, um, it's something obviously you can get better at and, and I can work on. So it's just like, it's exciting to watch guys and just to be able to see what he does night in and night out with Vancouver. One more question. When you were down in, or up in Cleveland, down in the American Hockey League, did you guys watch the Blue Jackets at all? Did you watch the team and pull for guys or, or keep, you know, just stay aware and tune with what's happening? Yeah, I think um, anytime you get the chance to watch, I, I feel like me and some of the guys would want to watch or anytime you walk into the rink the next morning, um, the highlights are on TV and, and you're keeping up with guys. I mean, at the end of the day, like these guys are your friends and, and you want what's best for these guys. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, obviously I think it's harder to watch games in Cleveland, like just with the uh, ballet sports or something like that. I don't even know. Um, but it was tough for some of us to get some of the games where they'd be blacked out on ESPN. So we try and find a way however we could. Ballet sports. You got to get the app. Nick. You got Oh, okay. Now that you're here, you don't need it. Yeah. You know, if you want to watch your game over and listen to Jeff Rimmer talk, I'll, get the, I'll get the app then. <laughs> this is the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. We're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg tonight. And before we take a break, I want to tell you that if you're looking for the perfect gift for the holidays, we've got you covered with the Blue Jackets Holiday Gift Pack presented by Homage. It starts at just $99, and each pack includes two tickets to two games and an exclusive Blue Jackets Homage shirt. To learn more, go to bluejackets.com holiday. More with defenseman Nick Blankenberg as the Inside Edge continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. This is the Inside Edge. Bob McKelly and Jody Shelley. We're talking with Nick Blankenberg, Blue Jackets defenseman tonight. Nick, one thing that is different about coming up here this year is you know you were going in on the right side. And I say that's different because last year you did a lot of uh, playing on the left side. Uh, you seem to be that one right-handed shot guy that was able to handle playing on the other side pretty well last year. And I know you worked really hard at it so that you could be out there and you could contribute from that. But how nice is it to get back to where you're comfortable? Uh, we talked about you playing with Zach Moransky, so that's a great thing. You know that side's covered. All you have to do is your job where you're comfortable with doing it. Yeah, I mean, I just think uh, obviously being on the right side is – has many positives for me, just like in the offensive zone, like D to D passes and just getting shots on net, um, breaking pucks out. I feel like just being able to face the play. So um, obviously, Z is a very predictable player, so it makes it a lot easier for me. And um, I think just being on the right side definitely helps that too. Playing on the left side though last year and, and having to kind of learn a lot of things about that, were there any of those things that that actually has made you a better player? That now maybe just uh, where maybe you happen to be on the other side. Uh, as the course of a play is going on and now the puck comes to you, uh, is it is it easier for you since you, you went through that and you kind of trained yourself to, to be better at that? Uh, yeah, I think one of the first things that came to mind was just like uh, like angling guys in gaps and getting off the wall. So when I was on the left side at the blue line and I tried taking a couple hard strides to the middle, um, obviously it's a different movement going from left to right, from on the right side, right to left. So I feel like just stuff like that or um, – being able to get my gap. So I feel like that was one thing that has helped me. Also, uh, you know, Jody talked earlier about the comparison with Tory Krug and how you like to watch his game. You better have your head up. I mean, that's one thing that you did from the very first moment that you came in here. I mean, your size doesn't matter to you. It is just about finishing a play, throwing the body. And to be honest with you, sometimes it's uh, had you been on the shelf with an injury for a while, but but you never change that style of play. But are you trying to refine it in any way, shape, or form? You want to do it. You want to play that way. 
but you also want to play. You want to be healthy, and you, and you want to stay in the lineup. So have you tried to refine anything, or are you just doing the same thing and hoping that, uh, you know, hey, this is the way it's going to be, and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's a fine line that I have to walk. I don't think I need to be going out there every single game and blowing guys up, and I wouldn't say I'm necessarily looking to do th- I'm definitely not looking to do that every night, but I think just managing – my game and how I'm feeling throughout a game, how I'm feeling throughout a shift. And, and if something's available, then I take it. And if it's not, then I kind of just let it be and, and live for another day. And um, I mean, yeah, it's it's obviously tough with the injuries last year, but I look back at the injuries that I had last year and I, I really don't think many of them were from me really trying to blow somebody up or, or anything like that, or me trying to play overly physical. And um, yeah, I think just trying to manage those expectations that I have and, um, just try to manage shifts, manage games, and whatnot, depending on how I'm feeling throughout the night. Has that changed from when you first came here? And I ask you that because you get brought in as an undrafted free agent. So you're, you've got to earn everything. You're looking to get people to notice you immediately from the moment that you come into the organization. So when you're talking about that, I don't need to blow anybody up. I don't have to do this. Has that kind of um, – is it different than it was in the beginning? Do you feel like – I don't want to say – do you feel like you don't need people to notice you because you always want them to notice you? But do you feel like now you understand the league, the organization understands you, just go out, do my job? Yeah, I feel like kind of how you just worded that at the end was was pretty spot on. I think um, obviously when you come in and you're an undrafted free agent and almost have like a seven-game tryout for your next contract, I feel like it's, it's definitely you want to do something to spark the team in, in whatever way you can. And I think part of me still, I'm still trying to do that. I still want to help the team in, in whatever way I can and, and provide a spark. And um, I think I've definitely, from the moment I've came in until now, I think I've learned a little bit more, obviously, in, in how to handle myself in those situations. But, um, but yeah, I feel like every single night, it's I'm, I'm still going to be playing with that fearlessness and, and just kind of that um, that grit that, that I feel like I can bring to the team. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love watching you fly around like a human torpedo out there and just hitting whoever you can. Uh, and that's a big thing that brings energy to the crowd and to, and to the team. Right, Jody? Yeah, and, and I want to ask you, Nick, what did you think of uh, Erica Branson and that whole scene uh, a couple games ago? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have plenty of plenty of thoughts on on what happened, but I feel like I'll probably just just keep those to myself right now. And um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the stuff that that we've talked about is it will stay in the room between us. But um, obviously, just just really happy that that Goody's all right. And um, yeah. Okay, well, I'll tell you how I feel. I think Cousins should have been thrown out of the game, but I love that that Erica Branson. Uh, he's a guy that stands up for himself and, and, you know, those are elements you're allowed to do within a game. He's allowed to fight. Um, have you been involved with anything like that yet where it's been like either a line brawl or, or guys sticking up for each other? And have you been sticking up for your teammates anywhere along the line? I mean, yeah, if obviously if there's a hit like that or, or a dirty play like that and, and I'm out on the ice, um, I'm definitely not afraid to step in and, and stand up for either myself or for, a guy like Ed Branson or for anybody on the team for that example. So, um, I don't know. I think something like that happened last year a little bit against Philly. And I think somebody came and, and pushed Corpy in front of the net and there's a little scrum in front. And I think I got a two minute. I dropped the gloves. I was hoping to get a five, but I only got a two. So I'm still <laughs> waiting for the first one. But 
But yeah, I feel like anytime you have the opportunity to protect a guy and on your team and in a situation like that, I, I feel like for me that's just a big thing just to step in there and, and, and necessarily you don't have to fight, but just to, to get in there. Yeah, it's an emotional game. And I think I saw you working with Olivier. There was a bunch of you guys. I think Nyquist, you, there's a few guys out there working with Olivier. Just getting a little tips just in case that happens, right? Yeah, always. Olivier knows what he's doing, so he's a good guy to talk to. Same with Goody. Hey, Nick, before we let you go, I want to ask you about Jet Greaves. I know he got sent back to Cleveland this week, but he came up here, played in a couple of games. He picked up his first National Hockey League win, and when he was asked after that game if he was soaking any of it in, he said right near the end of the game when you came up and started talking to him, that's that's the one time that he kind of let himself enjoy it, even before the game was over. Um, tell me about that guy, how special he is as a teammate, because you've been with him in Cleveland all year. Oh, I love that guy. He's the, he's the best. He, uh, I knew him a little bit, obviously, from the time I've been here to show training camps and from the time he was up a little bit last year. But I really got to get to know Jet more this year and, and just seeing the kind of pro he is at the rink with his habits and, and the way that, that he carries himself around the rink. I'm not surprised one bit that that's kind of the start he's had to his, his first couple games in the NHL. So... Super great guy, very humble. Um, one of the hardest working guys at the rink, one of the first guys at the rink, last guys to leave. So um, no surprises here for me. Very easy guy to play for as a teammate, right? And especially as a oh, yeah. defenseman because if there if there's a mistake or if there's not a mistake, but if there's a rebound, normally you're the first guy there. As the defenseman, you guys are right there with the first chance to clear. And you could just tell by the way the team played in front of him. That was a guy that uh, all of you wanted to battle for. Oh, yeah. You want to win for that guy. So I was very happy that he could get his first win. And um, just I think that's big, obviously, for his confidence and in, in heading back down to Cleveland. And um, he'll definitely be back up at some point. And I think so with the way that he played and, and just the way that he is as a person and, and the way he is as a goalie. Great glove hand. Oh, yeah. I don't shoot glove on him. It's too good. <laughs> <laughs> that, when teams keep shooting in a game glove hand, I, I've even said this on my broadcast. I went, you might want to try the other side. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. It's pretty pretty easy deal. Yeah. And I've also never seen a guy that smiles that much. Really He's have great. it. He's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely uh, really enjoyed spending time with him in Cleveland. He's just such a great, great person. Um, I feel like that's one of the biggest things for me. Obviously, he's a great goalie and a great hockey player, but like it's even more important just what kind of person he is, and, and he has all those all those qualities. Completely agree. Nick, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on today's show. Uh, good luck against the Maple Leafs tomorrow night in Toronto. And again, enjoy every moment back here in the National Hockey League. Will do. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Nick Blankenberg, defenseman for the Blue Jackets. Jody and I will come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I want to tell you that you can race to the rink at the annual Fifth Line 5K presented by Ohio Health. Run away with two game tickets, a Blue Jackets branded race shirt, and a shiny new medal. Register today by going to bluejackets.com. Let me try that again. Bluejackets.com slash 5K. Bob McElligan and Jody Shelley with you wrapping up this week's edition of the Inside Edge. Jody, when we look around the National Hockey League yesterday, Craig Berube was relieved of his duties as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. We just saw St. Louis here on Friday last week. Uh, were you surprised that they fired Craig Berube? Yeah, I was. I was very surprised. I mean, you know, he's he's done a good job there. 
He won the Stanley Cup back in, was it 2019? I I like what he did with this team. And, and he's, you know, there's a moment where this team needs to turn, needs to change things up. When they got rid of Petrangelo a few years ago, he, or, or didn't resign him, he ended up in Vegas. That's when things started to shift from that Stanley Cup team. I mean, he's such an important player, an important leader in the locker room, on the ice. He plays those big minutes. And that changes things for them. And then, you know, Barube is a, is a great coach who has a certain style. And you can just see, like, that's not his type of team, I don't think. And and so as they go through change and they're trying to, you know, get things to go through Robert Thomas and and uh, Cairo, you know, it, those players have had him for a while and, and they need a coach that's going to get the best of them. But I, I was surprised it happened last night. I mean, they they're they are underachieving. They're a team that has been team that's playing well. Um, so it, nothing against Craig Berube, but I think it was just time for a change. I, I was surprised at the time, but now that I look at it, I think it's the right move. Drew Bannister is going to take his place. Bannister, uh, Bannister was coaching in Springfield in the American Hockey League, so he is uh, on his way to St. Louis and is going to coach his first game tomorrow night against Ottawa in St. Louis. So. What you're saying right there, too, is a different voice, and they're bringing a guy that has a, a different perspective just coming out of the American Hockey League. Good to see these young coaches get opportunity. You know, it, it's uh, it's one of those things. Edmonton made a great change out there, and, and you know, look what they've done. It's, it's turned things around. It's, it's nothing against Jay Woodcroft, but, but it's just a, it, sometimes things just need to change. You run the course with how you approach things and how things are done. And that's why coaches move. So good for Bannister to get this opportunity, and, and um, you know we'll see how they how they perform. But I would expect uh, some changes, and I would expect a bump now for the St. Louis Blues here as they get ready to head into the break next weekend. Yeah, you talk about the Edmonton Oilers; uh, they were really, really struggling before that coaching change. Now they have won eight in a row. Uh, they beat Chicago. It was the matchup between Connor Bedard and Connor McDavid. And the Oilers get that victory. So eight wins in a row, that'll put you right back in the picture quickly, won't it? It, it will. And that's a team that now they're playing how we expect them to play, Bob. I mean, their power play is out of this world. Connor McDavid is playing again on another universe. Um, you know, they're just exactly how they should be playing. And it's it's not big adjustments, but it's, it's a different message and a different voice. And that's what's helped them, Bob. Let's talk about a coach on the other side. And I'm talking about former Blue Jackets coach John Tortorella because he has the Philadelphia Flyers going in the direction that he wants them to go. We've seen this before, Jody. We watched him do the same thing here years ago. He came in. He took a franchise that was struggling to find itself. He brought them an identity, uh, waited to get the right players, and then took off with it. And that's exactly what's going on in Philadelphia, maybe at a little bit more of a, uh, a quick pace than they thought it might. And I saw his uh, post-game press conference a couple of days ago, and he was talking about it's great that we're winning, but we can't disrupt the process. We can't just believe that we're ready to win and change our philosophy and our plan as to what we're going to do. And that's hard, especially for a coach, right? I mean, that's hard. Your job is is to win. But it's a, a very interesting uh, setup that they have there in Philadelphia now with Keith Jones being the team president Daniel Briere being the general manager, and John Tortorella has uh, more of a voice in the personnel moves as the head coach. So uh, they did lose to Nashville last night in overtime, but they still got a point. But that team that team is clicking right now. 
they're third in the metro uh past the the they they've played 28 games and it, I, it's very interesting that John Tortorella said that because he's all in on, on changing the organization and he's changed the culture. He's, they're a fun team to watch. They play hard. He's getting the most out of, out of everyone. That's what he does. And he understands that now they're going to make trades. There's a lot of these players that are there that they're going to get assets for for the future. Um, the defensive pair of Celia and Walker sounds like they're going to get traded together maybe. Well, that's that's a big move. That, that there's players like Atkinson that, you know, teams would probably want to pick up at the deadline. So interesting that he says that he understands what's happening, and he's just going to keep doing what he does. That's what we love about Torts. He's just he's not changing for everyone, but he's in conversations with Keith Jones and Danny Barrier about what they can get for these assets, which are now growing under John Tortorella. Yeah, I just um, I know what he said, but when I think of patience. He's not the first guy that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, I know, but he's he gets it, and that's uh, that's a good thing for the Flyers and their fans. No, I know, I, I know he gets it, and uh, and it's dangerous because, of course, the Blue Jackets are in the Metropolitan Division, and you know you're hoping that you're ahead of the Flyers in their rebuild, but um, but you just don't know. That's the thing about the league; you don't know. It's a, there's such parity; you don't know from day in to day out. So, Blue Jackets getting set to take on the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. In Toronto, game starts at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on The Fan and the Blue Jackets Radio Network and also on Bally Sports. Jody will be there. Jody, thank you very much. Great to uh, get back together with you, and we'll do it again next week. All right, Bob. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, that is Jody Shelley. I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan.